Here's Pete Sweeney and Jay Binkley. And welcome in to AP Radio, brought to you by the Kansas Lottery. Dream bigger. Jay Binkley with the editor-in-chief, arrowheadpride.com. One Pete Sweeney. What's up, Pete? What's going on, Jay? We're down to eight teams here. How about that? You know what? Then there was eight, right? The then Elite there was eight. eight. Is it the Elite Eight? I guess you can't say that, right? Uh, I think the NCAA tournament, like, copyrights and shit stuff. <laughs> okay. All right. I don't want to get sued. So. But the, the, who, who does the viewers want? They want the NCAA tournament. They want to play a football because look at these ratings. You would say they want football up 21% from last year. One thing I would say about this particular divisional round is, I don't know, it, sometimes it seems like there's at least one team that sneaks in and you're like, that team doesn't necessarily fit. I feel like these are the best eight teams in the NFL. I, I know that some people might argue maybe the Cowboys are better than San Francisco. I'd rather watch the 49ers and, and that offense as opposed to whatever it is the Cowboys want to put on the field. So I, I really feel like these these are the best eight teams, and we're going to see who emerges. So I, I think that's a cool part of it. Yeah, I'm kind of with you, too. I think Baltimore would have belonged. If they didn't get hurt, in the whole right? situation wasn't for the injuries. Yeah, not the not the, not the the depth they would have had to roll with if they had snuck in. I mean, they would have been one and done, essentially, I think. So, yeah, I just mean health-wise with these players, I feel like these are the best eight teams, and, and it'll be a really fun weekend of, of what I think should be some some great football. Yeah, it's one of those things, too, Pete, where I've brought this up a couple times, but every team in the AFC has been the team to beat at some point. Right. Like this team, Buffalo, that I think is wild and, uh, wildly underachieving, and we'll get a lot more in the Buffalo, but this is a team that's a third seed. They should be a one or two. Yep. I mean, when you think about where they came in, they've had a disappointing season considering how good they were supposed to be coming in. They lose. The Titans had the best two-week stretch in the NFL when they beat the Bills and the Chiefs in back-to-back weeks. The Titans were the team, quote, to beat there for a while when Derrick Henry was 100% healthy, and we'll probably see him here in the postseason. But everybody took that mantle. Maybe the Bengals not so much, but a few people were kind of on that bandwagon towards the end of the season. Mm-hmm. But we're looking at a wild AFC where everybody is, quote, the team to beat. Because the NFC, I don't look at it that way. Yeah, I, I think that you can say that about the, the Bucks. I think you can say that about the Packers, and that's about it. Right, right, yeah. The other two teams feel like they they still have to prove something. Certainly the 49ers. I think the Rams might have been in that mix as the NFC team to beat a little bit more than than what would be the 49ers. The 49ers are are really the true Cinderella that's left in the NFL. And, and maybe I think to an extent to be fair, the Bengals. I could see a lot of people around the around the country who, whose team is out getting behind Joe Burrow because I just think you know, those lovable losers are, are easy to get behind. And for a team that has its first playoff win in 31 years, I, I think generally it it's easy to get behind for sure. I think it's going to be fun. I'll ask you later on the show if, who the Chiefs are going to be playing next week yeah. or if they'll be playing next week. I'll get to those questions. But today was uh, Wednesday, which means Andy Reid's meets the media and advises on injuries. The guys that didn't practice today were Fenton with the back, getting better, and uh, Darrell Williams – with the toe, so uh, trying to let it rest up, see see if it uh, calms down a little bit. And then was other it, than that, everybody practiced. And then was it? Uh, sorry, sorry. You interrupted Andy. I did. I interrupted. Andy. He was he was yeah. getting ready to say, "I look forward to the challenge." Actually, right. that out. Rashad Fenton, Darrell Williams did not practice today. Clyde was full. Tyreek Hill was full. Ajarius full. Uh, the Bills, which is really weird this time of year, one person, Mario Addison. Uh, the defensive end with a shoulder limited participant. That was it. But Andy Reid did update us on Clyde. He, listen, he he moved around well. Um, we'll see tomorrow and how he, how he back to back these things. So um, I mean, I don't want to say anything. I said it last week and I'm, I was wrong. So uh, we'll just see how he does as we go forward. 
So there we go. Limited injuries for the Kansas City Chiefs. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the limited participants. I do expect to see Tyreek. I do expect uh, to see Snead. I don't know about Clyde. That's up in the air. Full Fitting. participant is a is a good sign for Clyde. I I just want to say something about Clyde. We just put the injury report. This is Arrowhead Pride Radio, so that we can talk about the Arrowhead Pride Twitter account. And we put the injury report out, and our, the headline today is that Clyde, who is technically speaking the starting running back of this football team, is a full participant. And I see comments, hopefully, with the scout team. Good for a, a backup. I think mm-hmm. there's really been a, a change of heart when it comes to Clyde, at least for these playoffs, and you can you can understand why. I think of those two injuries, when you talk about Daryl Williams and Rashad Fenton, uh, you have Clyde back in the mix, and, and it seems like he's going to be up. You feel really good about McKinnon. I think you feel pretty good about Derek Gore. I think the more pressing of those two injuries to watch is Rashad Fenton. It was a late scratch in that game. And, Jay, you saw... Hughes uh, against Johnson, and there were a couple of, of reps where you're like, okay, I think the Chiefs are really missing Rashad Fenton right about now. No, I did too. I thought so too. Uh, Fenton definitely, uh, you want a healthy secondary, mm-hmm. and you really kind of need him this week as well. I, I do like Sneed. Here's the thing with Sneed, limited participant, for, excuse me, full participant today. He's good in the run game, and they're going to be called upon to stop Josh Allen. Right. The corner's going to be instrumental in that. He rushed for over 700 yards this season. This leads us, speaking of running backs, to our first peak question of the night. Hey, Coach, congrats uh, on advancing. I'm presuming that you guys may start to get a Daryl or Clyde back here, but uh, I'm, I'm guessing it, it it's a little bit difficult to ignore what Jarek was able to do. When you're a staff in the playoffs, how do you process that? And, and does McKinnon almost earn a, a little bit of a lead nod just because of his performance, regardless of, of who you have available? Yeah, it's, I mean, listen, that's a good problem to have. So we'll just see how it all plays out. I, um, Daryl, he tried to go, uh, but he's having a hard time pushing off that toe. Um, we're fortunate to have a number of running backs that we feel are, are good, good runners. And, um, you know, Gore's another one. And, and then, you know, we'll, we'll just see about Clyde, you know, what we get, get from him. <laughs> so you were asking about McKinnon there, and everybody's talking about McKinnon. 142 yards from scrimmage against the Steelers. Yeah. And, again, I know the Chiefs just beat the Steelers, but we don't really need to spend any time on them because they're done. It's going to be a completely different-looking football team. But regardless, even James Palmer, you know, had something on the NFL Network. He put it out of package, and it might have been due to your question that we I just played right there. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter who's in the backfield for the Chiefs. It is, what have you done for me lately? Right. And McKinnon, that was on the IR earlier this year with the hamstring, but he, he still played in 13 games, very limited, didn't have the carries. Got some catches out of the backfield, but he looks the freshest. And does it really matter? Because Buffalo Station asked me about Clyde. And I said, guys, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I, I think it is hot hand at this point. And I, I think this is why Andy Reid is a, a player's coach. He's not going to just go and, and bury the guy that started the year for him as the starter or even another running back in, in Daryl who took over while, while Clyde was injured for, at different stints. Uh, at this point in the year. But I tend to think they're going to roll with Jarek McKinnon. This is a player, too, before some of the injuries, earned a $30 million contract originally, and then he had some of these injuries, and he was really supposed to be one of the better running backs in the in the league. Seems fully healthy now, and I think you could fairly say that, right, Jay? On, on, on In that game on, on Sunday night, he looked like one of the best running backs in the NFL, and I just don't know how you can go away from that at, at this point. It, it reminded me of a lot of like what an Austin Eckler 
does, right? You, you know, you're talking about even about like a fantasy back. McKinnon looked like a guy that he should be drafting in a fantasy draft. I just don't know how you could go away from him at this point. Yeah, there's a reason why he's here, and they, they've kept him fresh. He's a former uh, quarterback back at Georgia Southern. So yeah. you talk about the trick plays and all the things the Chiefs are doing. They give a scouting look, which has kind of become a, a nice topic with the different people in the national media and all the different things. You're looking the for a McKinnon do. throw against the Bill, Jerry? I'm just saying he's threw 11 touchdown passes in college. Now he's okay. more known as a running quarterback, but that's what Jarek uh, did. But there's a reason why he's on this football team. But the running backs are making a big difference, and it kind of goes hand-in-hand into what this team does. I mean, if you can't go downfield, you start taking those things away with two high safeties your result in using running backs. Patrick, we know Jarek had a, a good game last game. You guys really got him going. Um, whether it's Jarek or, or one of these other backs, what is getting getting the short game and, and the backs do for you when it comes to taking maybe those deep shots to, to Tyreek? Yeah, I mean, it's always good to get that involved, especially early. I mean, um, when deep teams are playing these deep coverages and they're kind of really focusing on Tyreek and Travis and all these other receivers that we have, um, getting the ball to the, the running backs in space and then making one guy miss usually ends up being big gains. And so Jared did a great job of that this week. Um, and then um, running the ball as well. And then once we do that, you see that the stuff over the top opens up. So you got to be patient with that. And then whenever you get a chance to hit over the top, you make, you make sure you execute that one. Yeah, the screen game, obviously they like to go down the field, but it's become mm-hmm. very dangerous when the Chiefs do do that screen game. Again, I think this is what they had in mind with Clyde. Yeah. Obviously, it's what he did with Joe Burrow in LSU when he was down there. He catched the ball in the backfield. He had over 50 catches senior year, over 1,000 yards. Only running back in the history of the SEC to do that. Okay, we want Clyde because we like what he can do. Right. No, and and I think, and I've said this a couple times, I think McKinnon had the game that we've all been hoping for for Clyde to have since he was he was drafted. And, you know, I, I want to say about Clyde, and, and I, again, I said it before as well, I just feel like he's he's catching a lot of bad breaks when it comes to he finally finds his feet under him and then all of a sudden he gets hurt again. This has now happened three times and you're just at the most important part of the season where the guy played good enough behind him that you just can't take the ball out of his hands. It's an, it's a tough circumstance and and Clyde's a team guy. He's going to go with any decision and and if it's McKinnon getting the primary snaps and and the touches I, th- I think he'll he'll be there in case of an injury, and and he'll focus on on maybe winning that job back in in twenty twenty two. But you know they say this in the NFL. This is one of the Andy Reidisms. It's like competition, competition, competition. You want to have you know multiple guys that can go in and perform well at, at certain positions. And, and Clyde has just found himself there simply because of injury, and, and it is what it is right now. One question you did ask today, Pete. Uh, you asked a lot of questions today, but there was one that really stood out to me. <laughs> okay, and that was a question of Melvin Ingram. And it wasn't about violence. Or do you, no, why do you no like playing violence. violent? I thought you were going to go that direction. Yeah. I thought you were going to go he that direction. He loves violence, Melvin. But no, does. you did this, and I believe this is a headline in itself, the question you asked the Melvin. Hey, Melvin, uh, congrats on the, the win. I, I was just curious, coming off that and, and just being here, kind of what Adam said, I, I, I'm not sure when we'll get you again. How, how much desire do you have to maybe remain a Kansas City Chief past this year? Uh, I, I definitely got a lot of desire, but that, that's that's looking too far ahead in the future. I ain't never been a person that looked far in the future. I'm just focused on the task we got at hand right now, man, and that's trying to win another playoff game and taking it step by step, day by day and game by game. So uh, I'm, I'm focused on what we got going on now. I ain't really looking to the future. So speaking of guys that do contribute to this team that Buffalo is going to get introduced to, I mean, yourself, Chris Jones didn't play in the first game. They're going to get introduced to yeah. Chris Jones, Charvarius Ward. Melvin Ingram was a stealer last time they played, but should the Chiefs entertain, he's, he's not going to come cheap. 
that was part of the deal right, with the Pittsburgh, the incentives and the money. This guy gets right. paid a lot of money. Would he be interested in coming to the Chiefs? Would you have any interest in that? The Chiefs find a way to separate from Frank Clark, who, by the way, is fifth all-time in sacks in the postseason. Yeah, I, I was just about to say, I know that they're loving playing with each other, but it feels like an either-or situation, and I don't know how you kind of come out of this and say you'd prefer Clark over over Ingram, who will come cheaper than, than Clark, than it will be to, to keep Char- Clark. We'll see. The The Brett Veach staff works magic, and, and that's why you're seeing a guy like Ryan Poles uh, get an opportunity here potentially with the New York Giants and Minnesota Vikings and Chicago Bears, and, and you know, we're wishing him luck in, in that. But I, I think the staff does such a good job at making these tough decisions, and and I think they'll make the, the right decision for, for the Chiefs. But, you know, I, I do think Melvin has true desire. I think that's true that he has desire to play here. I also think that he's interested in making as much money as possible. So can they meet in the middle? That remains to be seen. That's for another day, as Ingram was alluding to. But the Chiefs are a better team in this game than they were in week five because he's going to be on the field. Big difference that some Buffalo's been noticing. They understand that Melvin Ingram's there now. Wasn't there in the first game. It does make a difference. That game was still a close game for a while before Buffalo started yeah. separating. And the turnovers didn't help either. No, Chiefs that, that uh, killed. Destroyed it, the, turnovers. the front four and the turnovers. You're looking in for, for what's the difference between week five and now and and you know you're looking for hope because the bills ended up coming in and, and bullying the chiefs a bit it, it's that it's the trench warfare and it's and it's the turnovers cleaned up a little bit and those both should be the case uh, where it's you know you have a better front four and and you're a cleaner offense now heading into sunday evening and you're going to need to be i mean this is a, a bills team that they shouldn't be taking lightly and i, I don't think they will 27 to 13 game at halftime is this but coming up next ron cop he's lead analyst over at arrowhead in Pride. studio in studio. He's coming in studio. As we look maybe briefly back at the Steelers, we'll concentrate on the Bills next. <laughs> You're listening to Arrowhead Pride Radio with Pete Sweeney and Jay Binkley. Brought to you by the Kansas Lottery. Dream bigger on your official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio. Welcome back to AP Radio, brought to you by the Kansas Lottery. Dream bigger. Jay Binkley with the editor-in-chief, arrowheadpride.com. Great stuff, great content, arrowheadpride.com, obviously, always. But amped up a little bit with the postseason. That's right. Have to. You've had some great guests on the podcast during the week. You've had some good stuff. Thank you. We're working on, hopefully, a good one for tomorrow. We'll see. I didn't want to jinx anything, but I enjoyed Tannebaum and all the other guests that you've had on on that day. Ron Kopp. Uh, lead analyst for arrowheadpride.com. Instead of making a phone call to Ron, we'll bring him in because he's going to do some uh, playoff stuff with me uh, coming up here on Big at Night, the show that comes on after this, Pete. That's right. What's up, Ron? Yeah, man, face-to-face. Good seeing the boss and Jay, although I got two bosses here. We got- no, 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 no bosses that. here. Don't say that. <laughs> no bosses here. Don't say that. But anyway, the Steelers game, it kind of went, uh, I don't know how nervous you were, Ron, when you watched it because I sit here and watch our text line because I'm doing the post game and I sit there and a lot of p- concerned people, it's like, Football's a four-quarter game. Now, obviously, they saw the Bills the night before, and it kind of jaded them a little bit, like, oh, man, look at the Bills. Even though they didn't watch them against the Falcons where they sucked to the Jets the week before, but they looked good. And Josh Allen, seven touchdowns. Then Patrick Mahomes is like, second quarter, hold my beer, as he goes six straight possessions with a touchdown. And I think a lot of the chatter kind of stopped when people saw the real Chiefs stand up. 
Yeah, I mean, the Chiefs are, are this kind of team. We've seen them over and over again in these playoffs. You know, 2019, we saw it, you know, 24 nothing, 10 nothing, 10 nothing. these comebacks. Um, yeah, you can afford to go five straight possessions to open the game against the Steelers, who had a negative 55-point differential this year. I mean, that's not a playoff team. I mean, it was one of the worst point differentials in the AFC this year. So the one team you probably can't do that against is the Bills. Uh, we saw exactly why on Saturday. They're not going to play that game every time, but – they have that capability, right? And especially if the other offense on the other side gives you five straight opportunities of not scoring and you have chances to answer every one of those times. I can't, I'm not banking on the Bills not scoring for five straight possessions or even two or three straight. So, yeah, they're going to have to change that up. They're going to have to get rolling a little quicker against the Bills, I would say. I would ask you this. As you look back at this game, what do you think the issue was for the, for the Chiefs in the first quarter? It seemed like the Steelers just had a really good plan in terms of getting pressure on Patrick. I mean, mm. he he definitely he definitely was pressured and affected him. I actually tweeted it out today. He was two for seven on eleven dropbacks when he was pressured. Wow. So he and Cam Hayward and T.J. Watt, both yeah. first team all pros. Not bad. To be they're fair. not bad, right? They're not bad. <laughs> huh? They're yeah. not. They're not bad players for those. No, those Steelers. I mean, those are yeah. some of the best. <laughs> well, T.J. Watt was slung to the ground by Dick Calagretti, but go on. Oh, well, yeah, and then also Alex Highsmith too. I mean, he was giving Orlando Brown Jr. quite a bit of trouble. Uh, both actually matchups this year, so they have a really good trio of pass rushers and. You can't really say the same thing about the Bills or honestly any other team in the AFC. Well, he so. did lead the NFL, though. Yeah. <laughs> you know yeah, exactly. No, yeah. Like people are freaking out. I was like, hey, this, this team can get the quarterback. Yeah, exactly. But but we we talk about how that was only really the, really the biggest thing about how the Chiefs weren't doing well at the beginning. No other team can replicate what the Steelers can in terms of talent on that defensive line in terms of getting after the quarterback. So that is kind of an encouraging thing moving forward. So the one thing is when you look at the Buffalo Bills, and I know both the Chiefs and the Bills, amazing game. First time we're going to see a quarterback matchup with quarterbacks through five touchdown passes the week before. I mean, both Mahomes and Josh Allen, extremely good. But, you know, the Bills have took, taken a few steps. They actually made it to the title game last year. But Mahomes and company is so good. He's 7-2 and two in the postseason. They've been really good at Arrowhead Stadium. We had a streak, Ron. I know you're a young guy, but we actually had like a 20-year gap where Pete was in diapers and all of a sudden he's working for the Chiefs <laughs> in the span where they actually won a playoff yeah. game. Like, this stuff doesn't always happen, Ron. This is, this is kind of, we're kind of getting used to this. So the Bills come in here. The Chiefs have the experience. Uh, Mitch Holt just put a great stat out about all the experience the Chiefs have. Will it matter against the Bills? Or do they even care at this point? Yeah, well, one thing I've been saying about the Bills is that they kind of remind me of the 2019 Chiefs in terms of kind of a team of destiny vibes. Year before you go to the championship, you lose in kind of heartbreaking fashion, not as heartbreaking as the 2019 Chiefs or 2018 Chiefs. You come back, you don't have the greatest regular season, but th this Bills team knows what it was all about. They were always about getting into the playoffs and playing their best football there. And I think you can say the same thing about the 2019 Chiefs. It wasn't always pretty that season. The only difference is those 2019 Chiefs had home field, you know, home field throughout the playoffs, uh, obviously, because the Ravens, that one seed loss that year. The Bills Let me tell you about the 90s, Ron. Yeah, well, I, but I'm just saying, I mean, I, <laughs> I say this comparison. The Bills don't have that home field advantage. Yeah, you can have the experience that they've built up over the last two years of making the playoffs, but it is a huge deal to get that home field and the chiefs have taken advantage of it in their little run. And that's why I, I would still think the chiefs have that advantage right now because they're playing at home and not in Buffalo. Pete Sweeney, Jay Binkley, Arrowhead pride radio. We are pleased to have our lead analyst at Arrowhead pride, Ron cop in studio. That's the voice you hear a little bit clearer, more clear than, than it usually is. Oh, yeah, we don't have to reach out. Yeah. Can you hear me now? So we've talked uh, about the offense and how they woke up in the second quarter. The, the beginning of the game for the defense was just very, very good. Is it more, do you think, the Steelers and the end of Big Ben's career and it being a good matchup for the Chiefs because they were able to repeat it defensively? 
Or is it something where maybe the Chiefs can build off that and do some of the things that they did that led to success against the Steelers against a really, really good and hot Bills offense? Yeah, I absolutely would say it's more on the Steelers being bad. Yeah. I mean, I, I <laughs> you hate to say it because yeah. the defense has been good down the stretch, right? And you and they showed that exactly against the Steelers. But, man, you see how many times at Big Ben, I mean, a pass attempt, it looked like it should have been intentional grounding because it was nowhere near uh, you know, a receiver. So. See those thoughts in your head when you're watching him saying, hey, a real quarterback would have completed that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, a little bit. But you do have to give credit to the defense because I, I do think they, that Spags was able to have a great game plan in terms of just uh, confusing Ben. I saw some things in coverage. They were using Tyron Matthew in the box more this game um, to kind of just, you know, be able to use all of his different talents. But that's the thing. You can do that against the Steelers a lot more because Big Ben's not mobile. Big Ben's not going to be able to kind of create outside of, you know, if you blitz yeah. him and, and kind of escape pressure. Josh Allen can, and it's like so a statue exactly, and yeah, so Josh Allen is and, and the business decisions, Pete. He's no. going to vacation now. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, but no, I I just really do think that that Spags needs to adjust his game plan a little bit against Josh Allen again, and and we've seen where he doesn't really adjust maybe as much. Um, you know, he still blitzes a lot against a guy like this. I would like to see him blitz a little less. You know, maybe not give him those chances to make big plays. Uh, you know, break out of the pocket, that kind of thing. Here's the one thing too with the Bills: is there somebody on the Chiefs? Obviously, they didn't have Chris Jones. And they talked about it. I was listening to Josh Allen talking about, well, Chris Jones out there now. And, you know, clearly Brian Dayball said it. I believe Allen called him 95. He knows damn well who he is. Sometimes quarterbacks will go into detail. Mm. No, you don't get the detail you do from Mike Tomlin because he knows where you went to school and everything about you is what Mike Tomlin knows. But he didn't play. Melvin Ingram, the addition as well with this team. Shervarius Ward playing this game. He was, he was out that first game. So when you look at these situations, which one guy do you think – is the most instrumental that wasn't in that first meeting. Yeah, it's Chris Jones. I mean, it's got to be, right? I, I I think one thing we always we, we kind of always acknowledge about Chris Jones, but it's really important is that it's not even about him finishing the sack. It's not even about him beating the guard and, and getting into the backfield and, and creating pressure. Honestly, just his presence, if you're a quarterback and you're dropping back, you're trying to look downfield, Chris Jones is a very tall man. And if he's just in front of you as you're trying to look through the front of the pocket, like – Sometimes it's just it it just kind of makes quarterbacks kind of panic. Even if Chris Jones isn't creating exactly penetration or pressure, it's just his sheer uh, presence in there. Not having that, Allen's going to be a lot more comfortable looking downfield into the front of the pocket. And you mentioned Melvin Ingram too. I mean, you know, last time it not only was it not Melvin Ingram, Frank Clark was it was his first game back, right? And and you could kind of see some limitations with him. I think. Uh, physically wise, I think, you know, he wasn't his best. And I think you've seen towards the, down the end of the season, he's been playing really well. He's been looking a lot fresher. So yeah, I'd think the entire defensive line is, is going to look a lot different. Than postseason Frank, man. He's fifth yeah. all time in sacks in the postseason. I know. Crazy. How crazy is that? It's crazy to think about. Now, when it comes to the topic of the week and, and this running back situation, do you fall in the camp of they got a role with Jarek McKinnon at this point? You have to, right? Yeah, that, I, I mean, mean, that's how I feel, too. I know. I shout out my guy, Brian Stewart, you know, our, our f fellow film analyst at AP. He made the he was the first guy I saw make the and now a ton of people have after the game. But before this game, he was making the comparison to Damian Williams um, of Jarek McKinnon. And mm. man, I really like that comparison. And you saw exactly how Damian Williams in that 2018 playoffs, 
he didn't really do anything all year. Obviously, he was behind Kareem Hunt, and then, you know, that stuff happened. But all of a sudden in the playoffs, I mean, I, he like oh, he almost set a record or something for touchdowns in the playoffs. That's how relied upon he was because he got hot. And that could be a similar situation with McKinnon. McKinnon was paid $40 million like two or three years ago to be a starting running back in this league. And he was so good. He, he has the capability, right? It's just injuries have really derailed him. And so you're seeing a healthy McKinnon. Here's my wild take. And I talked to Nate Taylor about this on Monday. You know, he's talking about, you know, a quarterback at Georgia Southern. Yes. Threw 11 touchdown passes. More of a running quarterback at Georgia Southern. He did play quarterback. Okay. And Chiefs like doing this stuff. We've seen Ooh. the, you know, the, with the Cole Hardman. Uh, the failed zone read there to Darrell Williams of the fumble. We've seen Kelsey take the snap. I do believe at some point we'll see Jarek McKinnon. Little Landry take a snap. OBJ type energy from like this guy is yeah. a true division one quarterback. Didn't they beat Florida that one year? Or was or were they just close in that game? I can't remember. But uh yeah, anyway, yeah, no, I, I really think that's a possibility, especially because I think they were gonna try to get McColl in that package. And then, you know, the fumbled fumbled exchange, although I do think maybe that could have been on Daryl. It's not it's kinda hard to tell. But most of the time, as a quarterback, you're supposed to be the one getting it in the gut, right? Like that's on you. So yeah, maybe maybe they kind of switch it up now. Hey, we'll do Jarek in that situation instead of McColl, even though I do like McColl kind of his explosion up the middle, if there is a hole, that that is kind of exciting. You saw it against Denver. Um, but fumbled exchanges, you can't risk that in the playoffs. I think they have a lot of options for that third option now. And for a while I felt like we didn't have any. And so I, I think going into this game, you feel a little bit better that if the Bills are able to shut down a Tyreek Hill or a Travis Kelsey. And, and Jay, I mean, you're not giving Kelsey enough respect. This guy threw a touchdown. Oh, we're going, we're going enough to of this McKinnon segment, talk. Pete. It is a Travis Kelsey talk. love show the next segment. Okay. All right. That's a good tease. Uh, I, I would stay around for that if I was in a car. Ron, what's going on with you this week? Anything else uh, going on with you? I know you put it in your podcast with, with – uh, with Stagner, yes, Matt. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, I'll have an opponent scout out uh, hopefully tomorrow, um, and then I got my five things to watch as always. This is going to be a lot more, uh, you know, uh, the the kind of the most significant five things of the year, right? This is the biggest game of the year, so uh, yeah, just look out for stuff on AP. It's coming out. Ron, make yourself comfortable. You'll be back here in just a little bit. We'll talk yes. a lot more uh, stuff. I get some fun stuff planned for you as we'll talk to you from your lead seven o'clock right? from Arrowhead seven Pride. p.m. Yeah, Ron's going to be in here. We'll take a more detailed look. At some of the stuff we didn't get to tonight. But coming up next, you asked for it, Pete. I'll <laughs> deliver. Travis Kelsey, step on up next. You're listening to Arrowhead Pride Radio with Pete Sweeney and Jay Binkley. Brought to you by the Kansas Lottery. Dream bigger on your official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio. Hey, it's David Spade. And Dana Carvey here. Join us for our new podcast, Fly on the Wall. Every week, we're going to catch up with an alum from the world of SNL. Our old buddies like Chris Rock, Tina Fey, Tom Hanks, Martin Short. Whoa, Kevin, Neal, and many more. They'll join and talk SNL from the days on the show and the days how they got on the show. Mm -hmm. Follow and listen to Fly on the Wall, a presentation of Cadence 13. Available now for free on the Odyssey app or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Man, I'm getting good. Not available in any countries. No joke, folks. That was pretty good. Ever have questions about your prescriptions, even in the middle of the night? Well, Walgreens now offers pharmacy chat 24-7, so you can ask an expert about things like the correct dosage of your medications or possible side effects. Speaking of side effects, the side effect of getting your questions answered at 2 a.m., sleeping much easier for the next six hours. Try pharmacy chat today or tonight, online or on the Walgreens app. I know you've been waiting a little bit longer than normal. Jen's manicure spot needs an extra pair of hands. Who's at the front desk right now? Someone who's handy with everything from nail files to spreadsheet files. Deidre's not coming in today, but we have that whole bachelorette party. Indeed can help her hire great people fast. I need Indeed. 
Indeed you do. Instant Match instantly connects you with quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your sponsored job description. Visit indeed.com slash credit and get $75 towards your first sponsored job. Terms and conditions apply. You're listening to the official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio. And welcome back to AP Radio, brought to you by the Kansas Lottery. Dream bigger, Jay Binkley. Pete Sweeney, editor-in-chief, arrowheadpride.com. Yes. He was asking, why aren't we talking about Kelsey? Well, we, I had plans to talk about Travis Kelsey. And the first thing that came to mind was that pro football focus tweet that came out because you're like, you, you understand, like, Kelsey, he shines in these type of games. Mm-hmm. And how much he shines, we saw it. We saw a 48-yard touchdown. Patrick Mahomes shines in these games. But Jerry Rice, a guy that I consider top three NFL player of all time, yeah, of course. And always doing damage in the postseason. You know, heck, he even was on that Raiders team that went to the postseason. I already had those four rings for the 49ers. Most games with 100 yards receiving in the playoffs, NFL history, Jerry Rice, eight, Travis Kelsey, seven. And he's right behind Gronk and catches it's in the crazy. postseason in limited games compared to him. But how crazy. good was he? He became, what, the first tight end ever to have a 100-yard game, a touchdown pass, and a touchdown catch. Within a game. But uh, Travis Kelsey, again, I, we, we run out of good things to say about him. But when you start being compared there with Jerry Rice, he's one game away. He gets 100 yards this week. He ties him. AFC title game. And the Chiefs, newsflash, they will make the postseason next year as well. Right. And and you're getting to a point, too, where you're like, this fall off. We've been hearing about it for years, right? He's 32. He's going to be 33 next year. When is this fall off supposed to happen? And you got to remember that that you know if you you compare him to Tony, where he always gets those comparisons, Tony went for what his mid to late thirties. So won one playoff game, and that was with the Falcons. You could you could see I think Travis Kelsey going until his body goes on him. I think that's his desire, and he remains Mister Reliable in the playoffs. And and I I think this is going to be interesting to watch as he goes along. You know, and, and you talk about Noah Gray who. Didn't show you as much as you maybe wanted to in year one. Cost we, me a burrito. It cost you a burrito, and we don't want to cost Jay any burritos. You know, you don't get angry at, too, at, at much, at much, Jay. You were upset about that burrito, so I feel it's a double done bet. We'll see in the future if Greg could be that guy. But uh, you know, at some point, Patrick Mahomes, like a, a Tom Brady, is going to have another cast of characters, and that's what makes great quarterbacks. But this initial one, I think, you know, it's a, of course Tyreek Hill is there, but the, it's the signature, I think, Mahomes Kelsey combo. And you should relish it because you don't know when, you know, that that torch will be passed and, and Kelsey just continues to put up fantastic numbers. No, he does. He's right behind Gronk as far as tight end catches in the postseason. Right. And uh, he's going to catch him. He's still got uh, fewer games, of course, than Gronk has. But Patrick Mahomes as well, Pete. Here's the guy. You know, the spotlight was on him. It's the postseason. What's Patrick going to be able to do? And he only goes out with 400 yards, five touchdowns. The only quarterback to ever win a game in the postseason – with those two numbers, the only other quarterback to do that was Big Ben. The 2017 season was the 2018 playoff game against the Jags, and they lost that mm-hmm. game, believe it or not. Uh, to this when Jacksonville had that one good year yeah. with Blake Bortles. But regardless, he was doing things we hadn't heard of. And, the, and I think really we kind of put his most impressive stretch. Ten minutes, 30 seconds of game time, he throws five touchdown passes, meaning that's the best ever. Tom Brady is number two, a little under 25 minutes. So he was half as short, but that 10 minutes and 30 seconds of game time might be the most brilliant stretch we've ever seen from him. Yeah, and I think you needed it. You needed something really special, I think, to happen for Kansas City. They didn't do what Buffalo did, where you play New England, the greatest defensive mind of all time, and you'd score a touchdown on every single drive. 
that that's pretty daunting. Even if you're able to beat the Steelers and let's say it was a close game, for example, you're a little bit nervous, I think, coming into this game. But the Chiefs did something special as well. Yeah, they didn't score a touchdown in every drive. We talked with Ron about their first quarter and, and some of their struggles. But to have five touchdowns in 1030 and then also it's part of six straight touchdowns with Kelsey throwing one of all people. I just think it's a special, special night for them as well. And you have these two offensive steamrollers coming at each other, and, and that's what's going to make this game not only fun for Kansas Cityans to enjoy, people from Buffalo, but, man, the whole country is going to be watching this game. I, I, I can only wonder what these numbers are going to be when they come in on Monday. I, I think it's going to be absurd. Well, this uh, I was on with the Buffalo station. It was, it was news at uh, our sister station there in Buffalo, and they'd asked me, they said, they said what else besides Mahomes and, and Josh Allen yeah. is the storyline? I said, well, that is the storyline. Right, Maybe right, we right. can talk about McDermott and Andy Reid if we want to go that direction, but the storyline is on Mahomes and Josh Allen. You even asked Andy Reid about Josh. Coach, I know you're presumably locking in on, on the defense here, but when you uh, look at, at Allen and what he's been able to do, how have you seen him grown um, in a short career here? Yeah, listen, he's done a um, – he's playing good football. He's done a nice job. Uh, watched him when he was at Wyoming. He was a player there, well coached, and um, – Moves into the National Football League, and every year he's gotten better. And I mean, what more can you ask from a quarterback than that, um, from a coaching standpoint? So there's the respect to Josh Allen. You know, he gave a lot of respect to Patrick Mahomes as well when he was asked in Buffalo about it. But it is about these quarterbacks. He does scramble well, and the Chiefs not exactly great at stopping scrambling quarterbacks uh, this year. But is this the rivalry, Pete? that we've been looking for? Is this Brady, Manning, Mahomes, Allen, or is Lamar Jackson out of the picture still? Or Deshaun, Deshaun Watson, if he gets back in the picture, Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert. Who is the true quarterback rivalry? I mean, it seems like the the best candidate right now is is still to me Burrow. Herbert let me down. I, I can't even say Herbert anymore with a straight face until they're able to make the postseason. Thank you. They You finally admitted it. Well, I still like Herbert probably the most. You know, you're just talking about level of play of these guys. But you like they, Burrow better? They got to win something. You like Burrow better? <sighs> you say it. I don't. <sighs> I, I, He's never going to say it. You I will think never right, say this. I think right now, though, if you're asking me, okay, well, who's the number one rival to Mahomes? It's probably going to be Burrow with how he's looked these last couple weeks in these big spots, right? Because at the end of the day, you can look as good in individual plays, and your highlight reel can be fun, but unless you're putting together wins and championships, no one's really going to care about that. So right now, Burrow's in that mix, right? He's one of the final eight teams left. So Burrow's there. I think Allen is in that mix. I don't think we should start sleeping on Lamar just because the Ravens didn't make it. They had a ton of injuries. I think there's a lot of young, good quarterbacks. What's weird is the AFC is full of these guys, and you don't really have a ton of those in the NFC where you're really like, oh, there's the youth movement. It, it's all in the one conference, and I, I think that is what makes AFC games so exciting. I'm excited about it. Again, can you get to Mahomes' level? I think people forget about how good he is. By the way, Mahomes, 400 yards and five touchdown passes. He's got four of them now. No other quarterback has that. 72 starts. Peyton Manning has three of those games, 292 starts. Dan Marino, three of those games in 258 starts. Joe Montana. Three of those games in 187 starts. That's the kind of stuff we're seeing from Patrick Mahomes. Coming up next, though, Pete, Andy Reid, uh, well, he gave a good food analogy. That's surprising. About winning the postseason, <laughs> the Super Bowl, compared to food. And guess what? McDermott obliged the same today with the Buffalo oh, media. Excellent. I'll give you guys this next. 
listening to Arrowhead Pride Radio with Pete Sweeney and Jay Binkley. Brought to you by the Kansas Lottery. Dream bigger on your official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio. Hey, welcome back to Arrowhead Pride Radio. Brought to you by the Kansas Lottery. Dream bigger. Jay Binkley, Pete Sweeney, the editor-in-chief. Arrowheadpride.com. Speaking of Arrowheadpride.com, I'll have uh, Ron Kopp stay around the 7 o'clock hours. We look at the Buffalo Bills game as well. Andy Reid was asked about uh, the Super Bowl and how hungry he remains <laughs> for another ring. Yeah, well, if you like chocolate cake um, and you eat a piece uh, and then you have one dangled in front of your face, you're probably going to want to eat that too. Not much is going to stop you. So, I mean, that's how that's how you feel about the Super Bowl. I mean, that's, uh, that, that is the chocolate cake with the ultimate frosting. And then uh, you, you need to... You're going to try to go get it if you can. You know, that's the best you can. Still dangle it in front of his face. Sean McDermott was asked this question today, the head coach <laughs> of the Bills. I'll just focus on winning this week. Let's let's just keep it one week at a time. Um, but just, yeah, I mean, on a lighter moment, I guess, um, I'd appreciate a big chocolate milkshake. How about that? <laughs> so he prefers chocolate milkshake, obviously. What's your answer to that, Jay? You know what? I'll go, I'll go with those burritos. Yeah. You're a big burrito. Beer. You're a big burrito. Dangle man. beer in front of my face. But Andy's right, though. You dangle it in front of him. Like you get to the Super Bowl, you get the prize just right there. It's all you, it's why you're coaching. It's why he's still here with the Mahomes and the connection. But I understand what he's saying. I think Andy Reid wants to win more and more. And I heard Colin Coward today talking about how Andy Reid's won, what, nine more games than Belichick the last three years. He's 6 1 in the playoffs. Belichick's 0 2. Belichick's 69. Andy Reid's 63. What is going to be the end of the story? As Andy Reid's been the three Super Bowls, yeah. he's won one of them. So the sky's the limit. Obviously, he's in the collection mode the of rings. One, the one was was so key because I think that crossed off, okay, Hall of Fame. Because there were actually were some questions still, which is amazing to me. I always said even before he won the Super Bowl in 19, he was a Hall of Famer. But people were out there. And this will be his ninth title game if he can make it. Yeah. No, like I, I just thought that was ridiculous. And he got the Super Bowl, so now that's done. And now what's left, right? Because he's in the top five in, in wins uh, as far as a head coach goes. And so I think it is the idea of can he become the best head coach of all time? And it, it's going to take more than one Super Bowl win. And that's why when you're there, you know, one against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and you were down to your 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 offensive line, you know, your third string there. And that's tough because you, when you're there, you got to win it. And And he had those two experiences now where, you know, he wasn't able to get it done. But I, I think he's eyeing more Super Bowls. A lot of times we're wondering, well, he's you know he's getting older. He's in the 60s. How long is he going to go? I think as long as he can, right? Because I, I think he does have that desire to win multiple championships and to at least try, if he can, with his kid Mahomes to rival what Bill Belichick was able to do. Six seems like a lot, right? I, I don't think he's getting six, but I, I think three, four is reasonable if you can put some together. And so... Got to get it done right now. Three wins are away. But I, I think there really is truth in that jest of the chocolate cake. I think he really desires multiple. He's been unbelievable with the Kansas Chiefs. Four straight years of 12 wins going forward. How about this one, too, Pete? You talk about he's fifth all-time in wins regular season or postseason. How about this, though? Most NFL record book for most postseason wins. Belichick sits number one with 31. Tom Landry sits two with 20. Mm. Don Shula sits third with 19. Andy Reid. Sits fourth all-time with 18. Joe Gibbs right behind him with 17. He passed Joe Gibbs this past game. But Shula just one ahead of him. Tom Landry two ahead of him. I mean, if he keeps going through here with postseason wins and the Chiefs were able to win the Super Bowl, and again, there's always next year and the year after, but 
there's a great chance that Belichick and Reed are number one and number two all time in postseason wins. That's it, it's incredible, and and like I said, because it it seems like Belichick's championships are insurmountable. I, I think it's going to be tough to be regarded as that. But who knows? Let's see what he ends up finishing with. Let's see what the final numbers are when both of these guys are done. People forget too that Belichick is, I believe, it's six years older than yeah, sixty nine. So there is some there's some room. Andy Reid's actually younger. Uh, you know, I know that he did have a little bit of a health scare this year, but so long as he can continue to coach, who knows? By the time that Andy Reid is Bill Belichick's age now, what what type of numbers are we looking at there? Here's the one thing. Yeah, I think Alex Smith. You know, he was the right guy at the right time for Andy Reid, but it was always he's always getting that one quarterback. Yeah, and when Patrick Mahomes was drafted, like he had choices. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Deshaun Watson was one of those choices, and Patrick Mahomes was one of those choices. And we've gone around around the Dorsey, who was Veach, who was who was it that drafted? Obviously, Dorsey or John Dorsey was the GM at the time, but Andy Reid had to sign off on whoever's going to be the quarterback. Because to me, this is his pelt on the wall. It was going to be how good can Mahomes develop? Will be Andy Reid's legacy as the quarterback whisper in the National Football League. And so he's got him. He could do whatever he wants offensively. Now, I always thought the playbook was limited with Alex. Yeah. But it's wide open with Patrick Mahomes because he could do everything that Andy Reid desires a quarterback to do. Well, he's kind of like a, a, a combination between all of Andy's quarterbacks in a sense. Like, you know, I, I think about Donovan McNabb and, and, and Michael Vick and, and what Alex was able to teach Mahomes from a, a prep standpoint, you know, face-to-face. Andy Reid constantly says that about Alex in, in the sense that he really taught him how to be a, a pro and to prepare the right way at the, at the pro level. Um, and, and, you know, I, I think he's a better quarterback than Vic, and I, I think he's a better quarterback than McNabb, and these are some of the greats, right, that we're talking about. And, and for Reed to, to find it, yeah, it was, it was at the age of 60, but I think that's why he's going to go as long as he possibly can. I mean, and, and we'll see how long that is, and I think a lot has to, to do with how close can he reasonably get. I mean, it, it sounds insane for someone to, to rack up seven Super Bowls and then – now you have Tom Brady that turns around and just does it. So who knows? Who, who's to stop anyone from doing anything? Do you notice a difference in Andy Reid from when you first got here to now? With that Super Bowl, you talked about the pressure being off because it seems like he's been a lot more relaxed yeah. the last couple of years. I mean, that, 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 that drive that he had to get that chocolate cake, now they got it, but he's been a little, lot more relaxed with everything, and he's so detailed. I, I, I do think that, and this is nothing against Alex because I like covering Alex too, but I, I do think when you're playing with a quarterback like Alex who can you can win with, but it, there, there's just more you have to do as a head coach when it comes to scheming. Like there are times when Andy Reid's brilliant plays break down and Patrick Mahomes just goes and makes a play. That's that's what makes him so good. And so there's a little bit of pressure of that, and I, I think once you do get the monkey of a Super Bowl off your back, you just feel, okay, I, I mean, that was, not, that was a 20-year thing. I mean, I go back to we talked about Kelsey before the Travis Kelsey speech at the podium. He he, he had a few beers that day uh, after the parade, but I think he really spoke for the entire team and saying, "Man, uh, we really tried to do this for Andy Reid." And it wasn't really even just about the nineteen Chiefs to me. It was all those Eagles teams that that came up short. I, I think everybody really wanted uh, to see the Chiefs do it. And if you remember that the Chiefs were the fan favorites that year, it's a little bit different now. There's that Chiefs fatigue. It's like the Royals of 14. Everybody loved them. 15, they didn't. You love them, right? Uh, and and I a lot had to do with, man, this is one of the better football men in the game. Let's get him a title. 
And we have an Ask Pete here from the 913. Sorry, Ralph and Dodge City. I'll get to you next no, week because Ralph's always busy with yeah, questions. A lot of questions from him. 913 says, uh, I really believe Buffalo was a great team, but how did they lose six games with the second easiest schedule in the league? And that's a question. That's a great question because they did lose to the Jags. Mm-hmm. Two weeks prior, he, Josh Allen had 43% completion against the Falcons. They struggled against the Jets until eight minutes left in the fourth quarter. Then they looked brilliant on Saturday. I don't know how they lost six games. I expected it's more a, from them. It's a high-variance team, and and you, you do wonder which version you'll get against Kansas City. They're, they had their best game of the year, and it's not even going to come close. Not, not to say they can't win any more games, but their, their best game of the year has come and gone on Saturday night. It was their Super Bowl, hopefully. Yeah. They can we'll get see. rings for that. Yeah, they won the AFC East two years in a row. They got more to do. We'll see what happens. And I seem to the hey, I do. I, I do want to say. Well, thank you to Chris, of course, right? But stick around. Uh, Ron Cop, our lead analyst, Arrowhead Pride, is doing a full hour of yeah, radio. Looking tonight. forward. I, to I it. don't. I don't know if he's done that yet. Right? This is the first yeah. time for him. So yeah, stick around. Well, he's done this Come show on. with us before when you were playing around. Out That's right. I was doing my LA thing. Yeah. I forgot about that. Huge thanks we'll to Chris again, Ocero, anyway. yeah. uh, for producing the operation. Thanks to Ron Cop for the normal 615 segment he does each and every week on Airhud Pride Radio. We'll podcast this bad boy as well. Stay tuned. Ron Cop in studio with me. Bink at night next.